Welcome to the Phase World Podcast, engaging conversations that cross the boundaries between business, art, and the digital world. Hi, everyone. This is Fei Wu from Phase World Podcast. Today, I would like to welcome Jonathan Bingham. Jonathan is the CEO at Genero Digital, a team of creative problem solvers committed to leveraging digital expertise for the benefit of businesses across all verticals. When I first set foot in Genero Digital in Boston, Massachusetts, I noticed a giant mirror that reads RAD, R-A-D-D, which stands for Research, Analysis, Design, and Development. The slightly faded paint around the characters reminded me of an old-school skate park. I remember Jonathan came over to greet me with a smile, and he wore these casual skater clothing from head to toe, looking incredibly confident and comfortable. We sat down on the couch in front of Rad and began talking about skateboarding nonstop. This podcast is an opportunity for me to learn directly from Jonathan on the business side of things. Plus, a little more skating and sailing as candies for you guys. What people look for in Genera Digital is that creative culture. That no fear. We're gonna try to figure out ways to solve problems that we don't know what the solution is yet, but in a way and through a methodology that can minimize risk as best you can, turn a business on its head that's been a hundred years in the making. Yeah. Uh, my brother and I have、uh, started three companies together since he was 18 years old and a freshman at Northeastern when we closed our first round of funding for our first company. But you know we've grown to the point now where we're both pretty mature in our career and we represent different areas of the business and had to reinvent ourselves. Number one, literally break down things that are working now and change them so that you can get to that next level. And then, as individuals, we've also had to work hard at growing ourselves to be able to attain those skills at the next level. And a lot of that's reading, a lot of that's getting、uh, advice from other experts. But a big part of that is hiring people that know things that you do not know. Jonathan shared his management philosophy as the CEO at Genero from its infancy nine years ago to today, a thriving community of nerds. Yes, they're very proud of that. Who hustle every day to try new things, invent new solutions that never existed before, fail fast but not permanently, assess risks, get up and do it again. They're a diverse group of passionate people who believe in the company and its culture, created by Jonathan and his own brother Justin. Besides work, Jonathan, his wife Lily, and all the employees at Genero Digital are supporters for Horizons for Homeless Children. They're running a second fundraiser this year in Boston on June 2nd between 6 to 9 p.m. This event will be located at the Alibi Bar inside the Liberty Hotel. Last year, Jonathan and his team raised over $55,000 in one day for Horizons. They hope to beat that number, and you are welcome to join in. I've included information for this event plus、uh, the flyer on the podcast page. In our 40-minute conversation, we cover the following questions and a lot more: What is Genero Digital's methodology, and how do they stand out from the crowd? Remember that Boston is a small town filled with very successful tech companies. 
And why is it so important for Jonathan to be self-sufficient? What does it mean in the greater context of running his company? Skaters embrace failures and risks, plus they have a very high tolerance for pain. I know this from uh, years of uh, being a skater myself. So how does this translate to running a startup and being an entrepreneur somehow? As we all know, most family business will eventually fail or fail really fast. How does Jonathan manage to successfully partner with his own brother for nearly 20 years? Last but not least, the two very mentors for Jonathan to always turn to for advice and inspiration. This podcast is a great opportunity for those of you who are either running or contemplating about starting your own tech company. And if you think this conversation could benefit you or some of your friends, please share it. And as always, appreciate your support. Let me know your thoughts by leaving a comment on phaseworld.com. Without further ado, please welcome Jonathan Bingham. Jonathan, welcome to Phase World Podcast. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I remember when we first met here at Gennaro Digital, I was, first of all, I was thrilled and I saw the methodology, RAD, R-A-D-D, and I instantly mentioned, well, you know, that reminded me of my um, skater days. Right. And we hit it off the bat and we started talking about skateboarding, digital, and and here at this agency, um, I took this line from the website because I really like it. A team of creative problem solvers committed to leveraging digital expertise for the benefit of businesses across all verticals. Right. And I watched the Vimeo video last night where you said that the purpose of your business is to demystify software development and technology. Right. So could you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah, I think that where Gennaro differs from a lot of other technology companies in the professional services space is we are a group of creators. So unlike some organizations that spe- specialize in integration of SharePoint or you know XYZ technology, uh, the Fortune 100 really brings us into their organization to innovate to understand how they can go through like what Gartner calls transformational change, but at the same time run a $50 billion business. So what I think people look for in Genera Digital is that creative culture that, you know, no fear. We're going to try to figure out ways to solve problems that we don't know what the solution is yet, but in a way and through a methodology that can minimize risk as best you can and literally turn a business on its head that's been a hundred years in the making. Mm -hmm. What I find most exciting is the way that you present the company. And by the way, this is your own company. Right. Yeah, my brother and I started this nine years ago. Yeah, it's unbelievable because uh, I started looking online. The stats has remained the same that some some 90% of the companies um, that actually closed within the first year, and then a really big percentage of the remaining companies will eventually fail within the next two to three years. Right. And uh, before we started the recording, uh, I mentioned to you that, wow, driving is tough, I want an audio engineer, I want an assistant, and you mentioned the word self-sufficient. Right. Which is, I feel like, the core value of what you're doing at General Digital, and it must be pretty challenging at times. So how 
How do you deal with sure? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's been interesting. Both my brother uh, and myself are, are proud of the fact that over the last nine years, we've been able to see such explosive growth within our organization and still retain all the ownership within the organization. In our past lives, we've started product companies, raised over $20 million, and there's a time and a place for that. Uh, but we really wanted to make sure that we were creating something here in a way that we could grow organically, but still grow at a pace that gave us the capabilities to align with our clients' needs. And the Fortune 50, Fortune 100 have a lot of needs. So it took a combination of really a strong culture organizationally and a great group of you know individuals that you could grow with, uh, but also just a focus on doing exciting things. Right? So one of the best ways to be self-sufficient and to control your own destiny is to do awesome things. Right? And as a professional services company, the best way to differentiate against a swath of other players in the space is to do awesome things with awesome people and awesome clients. And uh, you know, we've literally gone through and looked at, over the last six months, clients that don't align with that. And we've parted ways. Amicably, I love that. But when you talk about being self-sufficient, mm -hmm. you have to look at the profile of the organization that you're working with and ensure that it aligns with the growth model that you have organizationally. Otherwise, you can have a $500,000 client that doesn't fit the model beyond your CFO mm -hmm. seeing $500,000 and smiling, and it soaks up so much talent and so many resources and it burns people out. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't end up having the ultimate traje trajectory of what we look for. So self-sufficient means a lot of things. It means being self-sufficient as an ind individual, but it also means creating an organization that supports efficiency so that everybody else, as you scale, has an opportunity to embrace that as well. Mm -hmm. You're touching upon a few things, and I, I can't wait to kind of dive into general digital in a way that you know people can learn addition, additional information, yeah. really understand the culture by hearing directly from you. And the format of podcast is something that I love because it's not a video that has to be under 90 seconds. It's not right. you know it's not a commercial. So you know the first circle. As is this morning, because I always over prepare and I notice I always push away the questions. So the first thing that came to mind was the fact that you're a skater. You've been not that you're a skater. Your entire family, right. all your kids, including the one-year-old. There we go. There's a there's a long board here. Actually, looks exactly like the one uh, that I have. It's a great board. Yeah, I love it. Do you did you write? into work with the board today? No, no, because oh, okay. of the shoulder surgery, but it's my season. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, it, it's amazing. I love I love the design as well. Um, but I, this morning I was just thinking, being a skater, uh, or the skater community as a yeah. culture, uh, is that people like us, um, is that skaters really embrace failures and fears. and. Right has a very, they have a very high tolerance for pain, <laughs> actual pain. So, and then also people with a very growth mindset. So tell right. us a little bit about how you became a skater and how it's still influencing you today. Right, so uh, let's see, my first skateboard I bought when I was eight, which I'm 42 now, so it's been a while. And I can remember just getting it to the top of my driveway and rolling right into the street on it time and time <laughs> again and then fl flash forward uh, or fast forward a few more years and I can remember 
taking a piece of plywood onto a picnic table and trying to create my first quarter pipe and, you know, instantly mm-hmm. board slid out from under me, broke my wrist. And uh, <laughs> I remember having to lie to my parents because I didn't want them to take my skateboard away that I like slipped on a dock. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that <clears throat> risk in, in itself can be rewarding. Mm-hmm especially if you are an adventurer at heart. And I think when you look at entrepreneurs, there's, there's certainly you know, a, a feeling of being okay with some level of risk. To me, uh, anytime you can try something and fail, but put hard work at it, get some good advice and some good guidance and succeed, it's amazing. And you know, when you look at, at our house, uh, even our tiny little apartment in Brookline, we've probably got five skateboards at any given time. You got to be careful walking around at night mm-hmm. because uh, you could end up on your uh, on your ass at any minute. But you know, my one year old, my three year old, my nine year old, my twelve year old, everybody skates, and, and my wife as well. And uh, it's fun. You know, my nine year old now is like mastering the ollie and. Uh, just seeing him fail, 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 mm-hmm. fail, 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 wipe out, wipe out, wipe out. You know, we always say, get back up, get back up. And, uh, you know, as soon as he starts nailing it, now he's he's loving it and he's mm-hmm. so proud to show it off. So, you know, skateboarding to me is, is a couple of things. It's freedom. It's challenging no matter what age you are. Mm-hmm. Um, it's exciting, right? I mean, I, I skateboard to work, you know, almost... Uh, the entire summer and you know <laughs> I'll go blowing by people in the financial district on whatever board I'm at and they always you know do a double take and it's just like you know it just seems like a good idea to me it's easy and the other thing is we sail a lot mm-hmm. and when we get to locations everyone has a board mm-hmm. it, it's difficult to bring five or six bikes with you mm-hmm. as you go on a journey or you know sail someplace so mm-hmm. you know when we got uh, down to Cuba this winter my wife and I and some friends sailed down there uh, which was awesome, even though it contributed to this now shoulder surgery that I had. Another story <laughs> for another day. Um, we had skateboards, mm-hmm. and you know it was great. We're down in Cuba skateboarding because mm-hmm. it's an easy transportation tool and it, it's fun. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's it's funny that you mentioned risk assessment. You know, part of our the theme of our discussion, running a company, and I most recently came across your article, harnessing your fear factor. I thought about risk assessment and I wanted to tell you like this ping pong table story when I was eight or nine years old. I had been skating for just about a year, very, as you imagine, uh, the first time for you to pick up anything, you were super excited. Yep. So in, I was living in Beijing at the time and I was skating with exclusively boys. So it's, right. I could think of years later, there was like a single, there's one girl who joined the team, but we had this Chinese people very into ping pong and at the um, at the gym where we usually skate at probably not the best idea there was this ping pong table and I remember this tiny little skinny little boy would skate down and where you know exactly how that goes and you land on the ground and I remember just staring at the ping pong table for years and thinking that probably will be a bad idea for me because you know the area for acceleration is very <laughs> limited and it's interesting I think about how I faced fear during skating as I progress, as I get older, right. um, the risk tolerance became lower and lower and, you know, physically yeah. change. Um, but I love the fact that as a parent that you do, you do embrace that. And Ollie is just the perfect example, a, a trick. I think most people know what it is where you flip the board up and there's a re- right. reverse Ollie and um, it takes months to practice. So 
By the way, how's your Ollie? <laughs> Do you still it eat? It can still use some practice. <laughs> yeah, my Ollie has changed very much over the years. So, um, my brother's still got a good Ollie, though. He's a good skater, too. Really? Yeah. Wow, does yeah. he have a, a skateboard here we in share. the office? <laughs> we share. <laughs> it, it, it's phenomenal that there's like the, there's family as part of the business as well, which I find really exciting because right. I don't know. Is I, I need to recall. I don't think many of the, the family partnership in particular, if you don't mind being frank, succeeded. Right. Yeah, it's a uh, either an amazing recipe for success yeah. or an abysmal failure. Uh, my brother and I have uh, started three companies together since he was 18 years old and a freshman at Northeastern when we closed our first round of funding for our first company. So, you know, we've literally worked together almost our entire careers. And I think part of what makes, makes it successful for us, uh, especially it, today, because we've grown uh, and he's grown um, from when we started out. I mean, you're a teenager, you know, you close your first round of funding, you've got some things to learn. But, you know, we've grown to the point now where we're both pretty mature in our career and we represent different areas of the business. Mm. And, you know, I think that that goes a long way to having it work. If we were kind of competing in the same space internally at our company, it would be a little bit more challenging. But instead, what we have is a really trusted partner uh, that has your back and who you have an unbelievable amount of faith in it. And it's not just because it's my brother or I'm his brother. I think that we both generally think that we are the best person for the job. Mm-hmm. And when you're able to look at things objectively that way, and it's also your brother, and you get along anyway, yeah. then yeah, it works. Otherwise, like I said, I know some friends that have tried working with brothers, whether it's in the VC community or at technology companies or construction or whatever, you name it, and it's a total disaster. So, so I'm lucky. You, you're very lucky. Could yeah. you tell my audience about how exactly did he start helping you at the age of 18, 19? Well, yeah, and it wasn't even that he helped. It's that we uh, we had an idea. I was working at a company called Forrester Research at the time uh, on the sales organization, and, you know, as an entrepreneur to be, that's a, that's a pretty interesting place to, to be, right? You're mm-hmm. surrounded by ideas swirling. And my brother, since he was, I want to say 15, which I don't even know if it was legal, was working in an ISP, <laughs> Um, at the time called Shornet and became a really good security expert, you know, very good. Um, And we won't talk about how you hone those skills because uh, that's another story that, um, you know, we probably shouldn't even talk about. (laughs) You know, long story short, you know, the security industry was becoming a really hot space and that's something I was able to see at, at Forrester and Justin had a really good idea. We aligned ourselves with a couple other really smart industry experts and launch that business and you know off and running you know I think that when you have uh, really smart individuals that are passionate age you know uh, has a place and is part of the equation but you know capability passion desire to learn and listen Mm -hmm. can trump that so Definitely. Yeah, and I think I was at the time, I'm eight and a half years older than him, so you know, you can do the math. I wasn't that old either. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a good journey that we learned a lot on together. It's, it, it's interesting because, you know, entrepreneurship has been this underlying theme across uh, a lot of people I interview. I do find people who have the tendency of starting something on their own to be very interesting to talk to. Right. Uh, you know, instead of 
only have followed a structure, only have worked for somebody else. But in this in this case, you've let multiple businesses, and right. this one being the, the most recent and the most successful one. Definitely, yeah. Um, what are some of the counterintuitive things that you've come across over the years? You know, everybody knows work hard, hire the right people. Right. What are some of the things that maybe that weren't so agreed upon by families and friends potentially that, you know? Hmm. So, you know, I think that I can remember a growth curve that somebody drew for me back in 2002. And, and it wasn't a revenue growth curve, but it looked just like it, you know, mm -hmm. up and to the right. Right. <laughs> but it was around CEOs. So, you know, I, I can't really speak to Justin in this case, but for myself, um, they would show, you know, kind of pre-revenue, revenue to 5 million, 5 million to 20, mm -hmm. 20 to 100, whatever. And, you know, it's very difficult to have an individual that can do more, more than one or two of those data points, right? Mm -hmm. Over the years, we have looked at our organization and ourselves at kind of each one of those buttons or, or mm -hmm. plateaus, I call them, and had to take a hard objective look and get some good advice from people we really respect that have been there and done that and, and both with failures and successes and had to reinvent ourselves, number one, mm -hmm. orga organizationally, literally break down things that are working now yeah. and change them so that you can get to that next level. And then as individuals, we've also had to work hard at growing ourselves to be able to attain those skills at the next level. And a lot of that's reading, a lot of that's getting uh, advice from other experts. Mm -hmm. But a big part of that is hiring people that know things that you do not know, that are experts, and trusting them, right? And we've had an unbelievable opportunity to bring in talent here at Gennaro, you know, folks you know that, that run our client services now, uh, that run our technology team, that are running finance, that are you know our managing directors that have you know amazing wealth of knowledge of how to structure contracts and you know bring in that recipe to get to that next phase and 12 18 24 months from now we're going to do it again you almost do it every day so i think that the answer is you need to have a north star that you're driving towards and a clear vision and goal that you communicate to your organization but in a business like this in this type of world you have to be flexible and willing to say, I don't know that answer, mm -hmm. but I know how to find it out, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Check it, double check it, triple check it, try, mm -hmm. and expect to fail in some cases, right? But mm -hmm. fail quickly, mm -hmm. that's one of the things we try to say here. If you know you're gonna wipe out, admit it, mm -hmm. and get back up and you know figure out the right way to succeed. So our entire process and our RAD methodology embraces that, right? The thing that we try to tell organizations is, let's try to fail quickly if there is a failure, mm -hmm. then you know, try to think we're okay for three, four, five, six months and waste that time to market or that investment mm -hmm. uh, when we could have done something up front to mitigate risk and fall or fail mm -hmm. first, right? Yeah. Then you can run. You know, I'm also a huge fan of um, you know agile development, Scrum. We talked about this fairly yeah. extensively, and I think not only the methodology applies to client work, but based on what you're describing, you're uh, you know you really embrace that methodology also internally uh, to help grow the company. Yes, absolutely, and it's funny because I think that the world the word agile 
represents something that's different than it actually used to represent. And I think you'll hear some backlash today even on what Agile means and that, you know, there's a lot of uh, debt that you carry forward if you embrace a true, mm-hmm. by the textbook, Agile methodology. What we try to do within RAD is rapid prototyping, right? We try to get through our research and analysis process a really deep understanding of what the business objective is organizationally. And these are, you know, again, Fortune 50, Fortune 100 organizations that are looking at three, four, five year initiatives in some cases. So that research and analysis around understanding and helping people figure out what it is that they even need is critical. what we do there is go through rapid prototyping to try to look at the technical approach that we ultimately feel is the right one and break it, mm-hmm. right? And break it early mm-hmm. um, because that will serve as the foundation for years of innovation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the JD or generic digital innovation framework that, you know, Justin and his team have worked on tries to incorporate flexibility. And that's really the key for success in our business. Mm-hmm. I really like when CEOs in particular uh, talk about failure. You know, how do you measure? I don't know the answer to the question. Yeah. What is too much, you know, too many yeah. failure and what's not enough? So that's a tricky question. Some, yeah. of, it's, uh, some of it's a gut feel. I mean, yeah. if, you know, you're constantly failing yeah. on projects, then yeah. you probably have, you know, a limited skill set or you're, you're focusing your energies in the wrong areas mm-hmm. and you probably shouldn't be hanging your hat as an expert in it, right? Yeah. Uh, failure for us is more around validation, right, than, you know, just a lack of knowledge. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that, again, a good process is supposed to flush those things out early so that you can mitigate mm-hmm. failure. You know, it, it is very rare for us once we're rolling in a project to experience terminal failure, right? Mm -hmm. Like it never happens. And that's why, you know, waterfall methodologies have gone by the wayside. Mm -hmm. It's too long to wait to see if it can be successful. Mm -hmm. And it's too big of an investment for these organizations, especially where technology is not always their core competency. Mm -hmm. And those are, you know, really the companies that we work best with, Mm -hmm. where, you know, you have a business that you're an expert and a market leader in, and technology supports that. Um, You know, I think that, the real players in this space that do what we do well have that methodology to figure out, here's the need, here's the approach, let's stress test it, okay, that broke, let's come up with a better way to do this, Mm -hmm. and now let's go on and build on top of it. And that's really the benefit of like our innovation framework is we're working from a base now um, from a technology approach perspective that's very repeatable, Mm -hmm. and our clients can benefit from, you know, the nine plus years that we've been banging around on it. Servicing them. I think because of that very framework, this is why some of the clients that General Digital is working with are huge. We're talking about Fortune, you know, 500. Yeah, we're, uh, and I can't say their names, unfortunately, but we've got a Fortune 49, 44, and 43 that uh, we're kicking off new projects on this week. So, you know, it it, it is remarkable. I, I think that, you know, as we bring on more and more experienced talent, Uh, internally here to help run the company one of the things that people are always amazed with Mm -hmm. is our clients I mean they are like names that the big four would kill for Mm -hmm. right and uh, I think part of that you know we we just started working with uh, Gartner Research and you know their head of professional services came in and you know heard the spiel and you know gave us some feedback and 
the thing that sets professional services mm-hmm. companies apart, mm-hmm. like us anyway, a lot of it is culture, mm-hmm. right? It's your culture. It's your methodology. It's the way that you approach projects and your expertise. Mm-hmm. And it's your clients. And we're fortunate right now, I think, to have a pretty good um, intersection of all of those things. And we love what we do, right? So when we come into an organization, it, it's amazing at the, the speed at which we can move from Hiam with Genero Digital to working on multi-year projects. And I think it's because we're a breath of fresh air, right? Mm-hmm. People are so sick of the monotony of working with big, slow firms that are going to, yeah. you know, just walk you through their process and whatnot mm-hmm. to death. Rad's about getting going mm-hmm. and building stuff quickly and showing ROI on that and then building more, right? Yeah. We don't need to stretch it out for like one little project. There's a thousand projects within these big companies. I was listening to David S. Rose uh, about growth and he talks about, it's not just about the strategy, the vision, but being able to deliver and relentlessly right delivering against something, produce something. And I think that's precisely what Genero Digital is really good at. And I also think that this is this approach, not only the big agency, the big firms, but also within some of these Fortune 50, Fortune 100, there is a lot of politics, there are a lot of, lot of layers oh of gosh. approval. Yeah. So therefore, you're more than just, you know, a fresh air, cool breeze. Oh, yeah, we're the- therapists <laughs> sometimes, right? Yeah. Um, for sure, yeah. I think that when you're working a lot with innovation groups, uh, that innovation group is tasked with convincing 50-plus business units that this is the wave of the future. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of times we can help bridge that gap as an objective outsider and, you know, show the give and takes on both sides and why, you know, driving towards, you know, what some of our clients call a North Star is, uh, is important for the organization. So, you know, I think that that's not just for Gennaro. I, I think a lot of times large organizations turn to a third party to help usher in change and innovation. And, you know, it's something that we enjoy. I mean, ultimately, we're not a services company in our mind. Mm-hmm. We're, we're a bunch of small product delivery groups that create things that don't exist. So um, we bring a level of excitement and passion that I think a lot of times, and this isn't a knock on other organizations, uh, is lacking just because our culture is built around this excitement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I assure that because um, last time we got together, I remember you're on a phone call. And the things I heard are around. I wrote down lobster. I heard lobster like twice. I was like, <laughs> I like that. And then, this is, re- and then you hung up. You said this is related to you know these activities we're planning and uh, all the fun we're going to be having. So and, and truly. It truly is about that. and I, It is. Yeah. It, and there are some challenges with that. I think that, you know, when you when you look at, you know, we've been doing this for a little bit of time now, mm-hmm. and there's a, a new work class that's also entering the workforce in mass and the millennials. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think that in some respects, the millennials get a bad name, right? Which mm-hmm. is, you know, they're going to show up, you know, looking for nap times. And, <laughs> you know, they all want a trophy. And, you know, where in some cases... You know, some of that may be true at, at some organizations. I think that if you create an environment that asks for accountability for everyone, I mean, what we say here is we want to be the best, mm-hmm. right? And that mean you you can you can say that and mean it, or you can say that and have it be BS. Mm-hmm. If you mean it, that means to be the best, you have to work hard, 
right? You have to put in the time. You have to push yourself, just like I've pushed myself, just like my brother's pushed myself. You have to be willing to take some risks. You have to do what you need to do to succeed. And that has, you know, Gen X, millennial, doesn't matter. If you're the best, it, it's irrelevant. Uh, but it's definitely a hot topic, I think, if you uh, read any of the trade rags or anything. I saw one picture, I think, at a, uh, a tech company where they had a bed actually set up in the office mm-hmm. and people would go take nap times with a mask. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. That's trying too hard. And I'll tell you, there'll never be, there'll never be a nap time bed here. Right? That's, uh, we pride ourselves on hustle. You know, mm-hmm. there, there may be others that you know, might be smarter than me in my role, I'm sure. I'm, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. But I will outwork you. Mm-hmm. I will grind it out. Mm-hmm. I will find a way. And that's why, you know, eight or nine or however many years later, we still are here mm-hmm. having seen that growth uh, and owning our company. And, and we're proud of that. I, I want to learn personally and learn more about how you do this and not how you did it, but how right. you're currently doing this. Do you mind walking me through sort of how you, when you wake up in the morning, <laughs> you probably have a chaotic household because right. you have young kids. But, you know, what are some of the, what have coffee, do you get coffee first? Um, oh, yeah. Always, what do you read? What do you read? What do you kind of Yeah, so my day starts out with coffee. Like, I I couldn't even imagine life without it. Um, Lots of kids climbing all over the place. Now a new dog that we uh, got from a shelter three or four months ago because our life wasn't chaotic enough. And uh, my email. It's the first thing I do when I wake up. Scan through, see if any of my team members have needed anything. Mm-hmm. I've probably looked at it at 11 o'clock before I went to bed. Oh, you so did, you definitely. <laughs> we exchanged several right? emails. So, uh, you know, th- that's my first priority in the morning is to look through and see if anybody needs anything. Mm-hmm. Because really, you know, the CEO's role is a facilitator, right? It- it's someone that's supposed to guide the organization strategically and make people successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, so first priority, are there any blockers for anybody today that I can help with? Mm-hmm. Are there any critical issues with clients or vendors or anything like that that anybody needs help with uh, dealing with. And if not, I can sit down there, enjoy my coffee, mm-hmm. get to work, mm-hmm. start my day. And uh, at that point, I'll more methodically go through my email and uh, start going through my meetings you know, mm-hmm. one at a time. And, mm-hmm. and again, just trying to make people successful. Our clients, our employees, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. What are some of the you know, news articles or books that you're currently reading or have impacted your decision-making process or yeah. your lifestyle? Yeah, one of my favorites was Inside the Tornado because I feel like it, uh, <clears throat> I, I just could relate to it. So um, that's a great one. It's old, but uh, a great read. The uh, that, That's probably my favorite one. I think Crossing the Chasm, stuff like that, same, mm-hmm. uh, same thing, great, great books. Uh, lately, you know, I've been trying to write more than read, you know, for my own benefit, not yeah. so much for the public's. Um, and that's write down ideas that we have here, you know, uh, to try to get this company to grow from where it is today to, you know, 50 million, mm-hmm. 100 million, and identify our weak points mm-hmm. that we have in order to be successful at that. My weak points, our teams, our organizations, uh, and really understand what that is. Mm-hmm. And understand how to get past that, mm-hmm. so that you can successfully grow. As a CEO, when you need advice or someone to consult with, I find that when I talk to people at the top, 
it can feel sometimes frustrating and difficult because you can't just turn to anybody, everyone, for advice. Right. Who or resources were the people? Who are some of those people that you trust, that you rely on? Yeah, I've got a couple. One in particular, uh, Mary Jean Lozier, who's been like a, an amazing personal friend um, and mentor since I was like literally raising my first round of funding. Um, so she's my number one go-to. And uh, whether I'm just pissed off or, and I need to vent, (laughs) (laughs) or I'm literally looking at trying to revolutionize our business at one of those plateaus, Mm -hmm. she's been absolutely incredible my entire career, both for me and my brother. Um, So we've been very fortunate there. Uh, We've got some other great friends that, like Paul Santinelli, who's a partner over at Northbridge, who... um, has a great ability to look at different technologies because he's seeing so much come across the, uh, mm-hmm. you know, come across his table mm-hmm. from what's hot and what's not, and um, really look at some of the different projects or business models that we're working through here. He's got a services background as well, and he's technical, mm-hmm. and uh, he's fun, right? So he's a great guy to uh, to talk to as well. So those are two that immediately come to mind. Mm-hmm. I will definitely credit them. Um, did you work with them in the past, and how did yeah, you meet them? Yeah, so um, Paul's company, Northbridge, was an investor in one of our first companies, which actually ended up being a shutdown. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that uh, he was a wonderful person to help us through that time, which is mm-hmm. challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, anytime, you know, you put so much effort into something and the outcome isn't what everybody hopes. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's venture capital, right? If they were all successful. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. So he was a really good friend helping us navigate the waters of, you know, recovering through that. And he gave some great advice that I'll never forget. And uh, something my brother and I have always been proud of is that we always do the right thing, right? And that means... Sometimes it's you're sacrificing financial benefit for yourself, but preserving your integrity and uh, doing the ethical thing. And after uh, Intrusic, you know, Justin and I, you know, felt like we got blackballed for a year. And Paul said, just keep hustling, mm-hmm. keep doing the next thing, mm-hmm. keep your head down, and keep doing the right thing. And we did. And I'm friends with you know all those guys at Northbridge from you know Ed Anderson. Uh, you know, Jeff McCarthy and I split Red Sox tickets and, you know, I credit Paul a lot with, you know, helping uh, keep our moral compass and, and keep our, you know, spirits up a little bit through what was a really hard time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, from Mary Jean's perspective, I, I can pick up the phone and call her, you know, anytime. She's always so willing and gracious uh, to give great advice and, you know, I'm very fortunate. I probably wouldn't be in the spot I am without people like that. Not probably, definitely. I love the fact that I'm not sure even that was even probably not even done on purpose, but I love like to you the mentors are you know one male, one female. Yeah. Men and women give such different advice and have such different observations in the room or yeah. even in, you know in reflections. So. Oh, I agree with that. I yeah. think in, in one of the things that I'm proud about at Genero is what an eclectic you know, and diverse group of employees that we have here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's one of the things we celebrate. One of the things we do is like meet the Gennaro Digitalins on uh, Instagram and stuff. And one of the key differentiators for us is our people and the fact that they aren't all cardboard cutouts, yeah. right? When you go to a big four, you see three or 400 every semester after college of the same looking people show up. And it's like, <laughs> what is going on here? Yeah. You know? 
So uh, we look at who the best is, but we also put an emphasis on diversity because the, the reality is it's harder to hire folks that represent what diversity is today mm -hmm. than it is to hire a 32-year-old white male. Mm -hmm. So if you don't willingly uh, embrace that and try to have your organization grow with diversity in mind, Mm -hmm. you end up with a lot of the same opinions mm -hmm. and what that means is people aren't challenging each other uh, people aren't challenging hypothesis uh, after hypothesis when we go through our RNA processes with our clients and you end up with mediocre deliverables mm -hmm. so you know the more unique and the more varied the team of the best mm -hmm. the better the outcome it's interesting, you know, we, as we're recording this for 30 minutes and I saw people walk by several times and literally I saw men, women, different ethnicities. Yeah. And this is the real, you know, instead of... It's America. <laughs> it's supposed to be. Which I love. Yeah. And um, it, it's so funny. I, I recently listened to David S. Rose and um, I tried to put him on a... I invited him to Face World and he said yes, but I have a lot of homework to do. Right. One of the things that, he's an angel investor, and um, one of the things he said, he's like, why America is such a great country, but not in that right. self-congratulatory way, is he said immigration is the ultimate entrepreneurship. Of course it is. It's crazy talk. The stuff that's going on right now around trying to ban you know, certain ethnicities from our country. Yeah. It, it's, this is the root. Hello, has anybody read a history book? Yeah. We are immigrants. Yeah. Right? We all are. Uh, unless you're talking about the group that we stole our country from, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, you start hearing things like Muslims shouldn't be let into the country. Yeah. And, you know, I weep when I hear stuff like that. It's awful. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll, we'll take anybody <laughs> that looks any which way with as long as they have the skills for the job and they're passionate. Mm -hmm. right? it, it, ethnicity is nothing but a positive yeah, and yeah. your culture is exactly that. And it's true once you embrace that as part of your culture. People actually walk in and walk out as different people. Right. You know, they leave better than when they show up. And one would hope, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it, it, that part, I'm not just throwing it out, but I notice the places I've worked at is some of the clients I've worked at where there's exclusively, you know, Caucasian. And, you know, it, it's it's interesting when people approach you, they don't know what to say, how to act. But after a little while, they right. warm up. I went to high school in Maine. I, I remember playing ice hockey, walking to a gym and people said, I've only seen you people on TV. And I remember oh that. <laughs> It was, uh, and I call my parents, like, can you believe that? I'm like a panda here. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm rare, and people want to take pictures with me, I'm celebrity. Oh but I think at this point, people might have the preconception that you're type A, which you're, you are, you work hard. But I was really surprised, and I think I want to close on this, and yeah. which is, you talked about sailing, and it's rather complicated. I've tried to learn, and I, I've... <laughs> Uh, I dropped myself into the river at the Charles. Right. Yeah, and it's fun waiting for the rescue to show up. <laughs> and so you actually took some time off. And well, I forgot that term is to like digital detox sure. or something. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about that experience. Uh, are you referring to when I sailed from uh, from Boston down to the BVIs? Exactly. Did a couple week trip. Yeah. So um, it's interesting because I sailed a little bit when I was in high school. I had always grown up on boats, whether it's a canoe or a Boston whaler or, or something bigger. It was usually a powerboat, and um, I just love boats, right? Mm -hmm. Because what it does is it gives you separation from the rest of the world. 
And I find that it, either an island or a boat uh, is one of the few things that allows me to truly disconnect mm. from what is a chaotic at times, yeah. uh, fast-paced lifestyle professionally. Um, so sailing for me provides that window of solace that everybody needs. Mm -hmm. um, it also allows you to do a lot of the thinking strategically that you need to do because you can close out a lot of the noise uh, that you feel day in and day out. So, you know, we bought a boat and uh, I, I had gotten really sick from Lyme disease. We had talked about the fact that we were going to sail the world, didn't even own a boat. So a few years ago, we bought a boat, put it in Lake Champlain, had fun for six, eight weeks, polished up on sailing, got bored, took the mast down with all the kids motored down the Hudson, sailed it to uh, sailed it to Nantucket, and had a great time, and said, well, geez, why don't we keep going? And we got convinced that it was too small of a boat, so we sold it. And we ended up buying this new boat, had a great summer, uh, sailing around Boston, and uh, when it came to the end, we said, well, you know, now this one's big enough, uh, let's go to the Caribbean. So we did. And when I tell you every single possible thing went wrong between Boston and Newport from taking on water and having to turn around the first time so you didn't sink <laughs> to uh, you know crossing the Gulf Stream and having a starter crack and fail so we had like no engine and uh, ultim ultimately had to get towed into Bermuda um, it, it was an amazing experience and now you know we've clocked I don't know 15,000 miles since then we've sailed to Cuba uh, and we keep plugging along and to me when you look at risk and you look at things of that nature and just an adventurous spirit you know, if you're willing to put the time into it, uh, you can figure it out. And if you, just like in my business career, surround yourself with people that understand how to sail better than you, you'll learn. Mm -hmm. And you need to be cautious to not put yourself into a situation that you don't have the skill set to, uh, to deal with, mm -hmm. especially when you have a lot of family members on board. But um, it, it's an incredibly rewarding experience for me. And there's something about being 500 miles from anything. And, you know, you've got basically two sails and an engine that can get you from one spot to another. And I've lost two of three on a couple of different moments. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think that that comes back to calculated risk, yeah. adventure, and determination. I love how we ended on that. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> For people who want to learn how to sail, just go to uh, Community Boating. That's right. Community <laughs> Boating, Boston Sailing Center. You'll pick it right up. Yeah. Yeah. Or just come out with me. Yeah. Worst case, you'll end up with a glass of rosé or something. Yeah, I, I would Bold love beer. to. I, I would love to be <laughs> on that boat. Uh, eating lobster. There you go. Talking about technology. Oh, man. Um, is there anything else that you feel like I haven't covered? Anything I don't think so. Great? This was great. Thank yeah. you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Oh, this is super fun. I think it's going to be a great episode. For people who want to learn more about Genero Digital or yourself, right. where should they, they go? Yeah, they can go to our website, GeneroDigital.com. Uh, there's a little intro video right on the homepage uh, that we put up, I would say, three or four months ago. And then periodically we write on our blog, and you can follow me on Twitter at JW Bingham. To listen to more episodes of the Face World podcast, please subscribe on iTunes or visit faceworld.com. That is F-E-I-S-W-O-R-L-D, where you can find show notes, links, other tools, and resources. You can also follow me on Twitter at Face World. Until next time, thanks for listening.